With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top name long form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined sign-up form, and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 90s Past Cast. This is Alex McDonald alongside Patrick Moynihan. How you doing, Patrick? Alex, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you this week? Good. So we're here this week to talk about issue 213 for the week of February the 8th, 1993. And it's crazy because it feels like we just talked about this person getting hired. It's been longer than I think we realize. But the headline in this issue, of course, is the demotion of Bill Watts. Also, his right-hand man, Jim Ross, off the air. So does it feel like it's been a shorter period of time? Or do you feel like since we've talked about it every week that it actually maybe is longer than we originally thought? No, I've always thought I actually kind of think the opposite. It does feel like a short period of time. And I think when people talk about this historically, it feels like Watts was in his position for a much longer period of time. But it was, I think, I'm going to ballpark it. Was it like March or April, maybe May of 92? And here we are in February 93. And like, I mean, the, the, the early, like the first week of February. And he's already being demoted. Like now, technically, he's still there, but this is not a good sign for him. No, it's not a good sign at all, especially with the JR part that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, especially what since it seems that Watts had a lot more to do with that than I initially thought. Mm, yeah, same. But yeah, on that the, was telling. That was telling. I thought so, too. It's interesting also that he still defends him so much, but I I don't know. I guess water under the bridge kind of thing. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But, I, you know, my thought was um, maybe that was misconstrued in some way, just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I, I, I don't know. Oh, back to the time frame, though. It, I think May is more accurate, and the reason yeah. I want to say that is because we talked about – I think there was a clash in June that was already kind of booked, and then he had Beach Blast, which was fantastic, and he kind of had a little bit more of a hand in that. And after that show, we were like, okay, well, he was handed some of this, but the execution was great, and there was a lot to like really be positive about, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was basically the height of everything was he inherited something made it slightly better than it was and then when he actually got his fingerprints on things you know we had the firing of talent like terry taylor and bringing in people like dick slater so yeah and putting the barbarian as you know a number one contender in one of your biggest pay-per-views halloween havoc for the year exactly yeah exactly like there's some really questionable decisions and We'll kind of get into all that more as we go. Also, we have a report on the upcoming Raw from Wade Keller. The possible return of Hulk Hogan, part three of the Torch Talk with the British Bulldog. And WCW returns to the Omni. Um, There's also a below the bottom line from Wade in here about the Bill Watts situation also which has some interesting insight. Also, uh, before we get into trivia and all that other kind of stuff, I do want to mention that we just found out about the passing of Jerry Jarrett earlier this week. Uh, Condolences out to Double J himself, Jeff Jarrett. 
and others that knew Jerry. Um, for anybody curious or interested, Wade did a show with Rich Fan earlier this week, and Wade spends the beginning of that episode really talking about Jerry Jarrett. Uh, anybody who doesn't know why that's pertinent is probably not in the know that Jerry Jarrett was like in communication with Wade on what seems like at the very least a weekly basis throughout the time period we're covering and throughout the nineties. Um, they were on really good terms uh, until they had a little bit of a falling out regarding uh, a TNA and then uh, they did reconcile. But anyway, Anybody who wants some insight on Jerry Jarrett from somebody who knew him very well, I would highly recommend checking that out that podcast with uh, Rich Fan. Yeah, really good call out. I appreciate you saying that, too. And it's a shame because, you know, obviously losing Jerry Jarrett and uh, learning a lot about him, I think more recently, um, personally, what what he's done for the business and the significance of his impact. Um, just it's really interesting to learn that um, I think growing up a WBF fan has lingered into my adulthood to some degree as far as just kind of having a lot of blinders on. So in the last, you know, say five, 10 years, just really kind of fun to learn beyond that scope of what I've grew up with. I'm sure a lot of people out there listening feel the same way. So he's definitely one that, um, you know, comes to mind and really understanding the uh the bulk of what he, he, you know, delivered to the business. It's uh, really intriguing. I agree. He's one of those people that <clears throat> the older you get and the more you learn about, the more you appreciate him. Um, even to the point where, again, I, I don't hide the fact that I'm a big Jeff Jarrett fan, but sure, sure. Jerry's even been on his show in character, which is really funny. <laughs> you know, I don't uh, know if I've heard those. That's I'm going to have to go back and, and listen. That's great. Yeah, so he's was still involved, you know, as early as, or as late as 2022. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and actually speaking of that, and I, you can tell me when this was cuz it just happened last year, but he was on the Ric Flair's last match pay-per-view. He was. He had, yeah. he had a cameo in the back. I I don't remember when that actually happened. I think I it was over the summer. Summer, yeah. But we do have a couple emails. The First one, obviously, Dennis Klein. This is before we get into trivia, but Dennis wanted to let us know that he did go on Twitter and relayed my call out to <laughs> Nick Barbati and Tom Collihue. <laughs> the the disdain in your voice just saying their names. I just don't understand why they get preferential treatment over us. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It, I don't know. There's a fly in the ointment here. <laughs> anyway, Dennis said that he told them to listen to our prior episode so they can find context of the call out. And he's going to let us know their response. Um, I'm going to be on with Wade tomorrow. So I really hope that uh, we have a response by then. But if not, I will eagerly await uh, the, the intercontinental adventure or whatever they call that show <laughs> where Colahue has to reteach me how to say the letter H all the time. See, I think you're going to be talking with Wade. I think you're going to the source right there. So you might need to just get right to it with him. Well, while, while we're on that topic, I would like to point out that a terrible tag team for us to face would be Wade and Todd Martin because they are significantly larger than both of us. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't even want to go there. Yeah, like that is that is basically us getting squashed. <laughs> yeah, squash match galore. Yes, like I think Wade and Todd are both six four or t- or taller. So yeah, yeah. it would yeah. it would be very uninteresting. <laughs> anyway, moving on, I'm gonna throw over to you so we can do some trivia before we get into the rest of issue two thirteen. Yeah, let's do it. Um, again, thanks, Dennis, for, for sending this in. Just to level set, uh, I went last week, so I, I gained some ground, but I'm still behind. Alex, you have 14 and a half points. I have 12, and we have a few more this week. Now, I'm going to read this. This is interesting. We're not going to have our normal five, um, but I'll get to that in a second. Dennis starts with greetings and salutations, Alex and Patrick. First, Alex, his name is Darby Allen, not Sting's little crony. You can listen. Uh, <laughs> you can. He says you can uh, look at the email I sent to the All Elite after show for the two eight twenty three episode about my Darby random. So he does speak to that on that show. Um, second, he refers to myself. He too was screaming December nineteen ninety nine at me during that Goldberg and Brett question last week. He says, "Come on, man, Brett is like Michael Bolton. You have to celebrate his entire catalog, just like the Office Space quote." Uh, he's obviously kidding, though. He says, because if you take out WCW, Brett never loses to Will Sasso. Really, really good point there, actually. I uh, actually, oh, man, oh, that's another bad memory. I, I, you're you're uh, reviving some things in me here. Um, but Dennis, not a good thing in anyway. Uh, moving on. Third, he was a bit busier than normal this week, so he only put together a three-question trivia game this time. So next time, that'll be for me. I will do three questions as well. So here we go. Number one, in July of 1995, the future Rikishi was given one of many new gimmicks of Solofa Fatu, a streetwise positive role model, who was there to, quote, make a difference, if you remember that. Two men showed up in the audience following Fatu around at different shows, making him nervous, but nothing came of that angle. Can you tell me the future WWE tag team this was? So he's referring to those two individuals that popped up in the audience briefly. Uh, who were those future tag team? Who was that future tag team? Uh, this is further proof that Dennis likes me better than you because I got a bloodline question. <sighs> there you go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with that said, this is there. my family, so I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. But I would like to take this moment to mention that this Saturday, Sami Zayn, in front of all of your family and friends in Montreal, you are going to find out what God mode really means. (laughs) Is that happening already this weekend? Yes. Wow. They burn through pay-per-views, don't they? Yeah, this is it till Mania, though. Okay, okay. But of course, Sammy, you you made a terrible mistake. All you had to do, all you had to do was acknowledge the tribal chief. That's it. <laughs> I see. I can't even comment other than to laugh because I don't watch this. But I appreciate your your fandom for Roman Reigns. I really do. He is our and tribal chief. People out there should appreciate how well Alex and I get along because there's just such a like. 
I just don't. I just have no interest in WWE. But I appreciate the fandom that exudes from you, Alex, for that for that company. Oh, while we're on the topic, uh, what's an All Elite After Show? What is that? It's one of the um, Torch Daily Cast shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. And for for uh, Darby Allen, Dennis, do you prefer Kid with the Skateboard? <laughs> well, I'll have to see. I've also heard him say, what, what's that um, old YouTube, uh, not a meme, but, you know, that recurring video, the I Love Turtles kid. Have oh, you ever seen that one? like that kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really does. Have you, speaking of memes, have you seen the picture of Braun Strowman and Nicholas and then somebody put it side by side with a picture of Braun Strowman and Ricochet? I don't think so. Nicholas all grown up is Ricochet. (laughs) It's Ricochet. That's good. That's good. (laughs) That's awesome. Anyway, the the answer to the question, and I was trying to make this segment go this long so it would be funnier, but uh, do you have three minutes? Because the answer is three-minute warning. Uh, Jamal, uh, a.k.a. Umaga, who I think is Rikishi's brother, and Roman Reigns' brother, uh, Rosie. I don't... That's correct. Yeah, that's that's thousand percent the answer. Yeah, that is accurate. He gives us three names for the same team. It was Three Minute Warning, or the Island Boys, or the Samoan Gangsters. And they actually kind of did dress like... More the third name. I don't think they were ever named, though. But if you want to, like, picture what they looked like, they were kind of dressed that way. Yeah, three-minute warning wore, like, FUBU and stuff. That's so that true. That's sense. true, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that threw me off. I actually don't know. I mean, I remember them, you know, quickly. I, don't, I, I, I obviously remember three-minute warning. I just mean during this era in 95. I remember this as being, like, a one-off or maybe two times they've showed them. But, and, they, of course, like Dennis says, it didn't go anywhere. Um, I don't know if I put together that it was the same team. I don't remember why I knew this, yeah, honestly. Yeah. I think it's just a weird <clears throat> Samoan thing. I, yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I, I just assumed I, they were too young to be there in 95, but I guess, you know, obviously that wasn't true. Oh, yeah, no. The, I, there, there's a pretty big age gap between Rosie and Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so you're 15 and a half. We can uh, mark that down. I'll put that down in our document here. Uh, question number two of three. How much in full did Vince McMahon purchase WCW for? And he clarifies, when he says in full, he means the name, the logo, and the tape library. All right. So he spent he spent $2.5 on the company. And then... He spent, I want to say it was like a million on everything else, but I'm going to say four. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of four. It's either four or five, but I'm going to go with four. Well, Dennis is very precise, and you're oh so close. He says Vince paid $2.5 million for the name and logo, then paid $1.7 for the tape library for a grand total of $4.2 million. So I, I give you kudos for getting that close, but I don't think we can give it to you. No, you can't. But yeah. the 2.5 number was stuck in my head I, because that yeah, was yeah. reported that that's all he paid for it. Right, and that's not right. true. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know what I mean. I, I guess we do kind of know what he made. Cause, so if you, you segment out just the 1.7 for the tape library, I mean, in Peacock alone. It's like, that, what, no 10 kidding. times that? Yeah. Well, what's also really, really funny, and this is where a lot of that two million stuff comes from. Do you know how much WCW ended up paying the WWF when they sued them over the Hall and Nash thing? No, I'm not offhand. Like two and a half million. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, the joke is always that WCW not only uh, paid for WrestleMania one, but they also gave Vince the money to buy them. That's amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing. All right, question number three, which is also our last question of the week. It starts with, who am I? 
My first wrestling training was under Hiro Matsuda before a chance meeting with Barry Windham, and I left Matsuda's harsh training. Then my in-ring training was completed by a few guys you might know. Dusty Rhodes with assistance by Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham. My first WWF tryout was in August of 87, but I was not signed. My second tryout was a match against Paul Roma on 1-20-1990. Again, I was not signed. Eventually, I was signed, debuting in 92, and brother, was I a star immediately. Uh, the Hero Matsuda is a dead giveaway, um, especially because all that came to light because uh, this person just passed away uh, last year. The answer is Razor Ramon Scott Hall. Well done. That's right. He says Magnum or Big Scott Hall, a.k.a. the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Well, two out of three, pretty darn good. You're up at two, 16 and a half. Uh, again, you do have one week ahead of me, so I have some some I, I have a hill to climb here. But at least uh, you do, you know, you do have one week in advance of where I'm at. I would also like to point out that I was painfully close on the middle. one. You were absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well done. Well done. Before we move on, though, I'll give you back the baton in a second. I just wanted to call out Dennis because he, he also emailed us maybe a week or two ago about this Mid-South um match between Teddy DiBiase and Ric Flair from uh, November of 1985. And uh, Dennis, just as a call out for you, awesome match. I went back and watched it and uh, really, really good. I would recommend it. I think it's from November 16th, 85. It's an NWA world title match where Flair comes to the territory and defends against Ted DiBiase. And uh, it's a very cool match, a very bloody affair. So if you're into that, go back and watch that. So that was my first time seeing it. Jim Ross is on the call, and it's a fun watch. There you have it. All right, so back to Bill Watts. Speaking of, because actually he would have owned that promotion, so he he certainly did, yeah. And he was he was shown on there uh, briefly. He looked he looked almost the same. I mean, it was seven plus years before where we are now, but uh, he didn't seem to age too much. I mean, I guess when you bald. Early on, it kind of that look kind of sticks with you for a little while. <laughs> you're, you're ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Bill Watts has been demoted as Bob Dew and Bill Shaw take control of WCW. Jim Ross has been taken off the air completely. Uh, this is from Wade Keller and the cover story. Bill Watts's power in WCW was significantly reduced last week, and Jim Ross was removed from his television announcing duties, among several other changes in WCW's front office. A meeting held on Friday, January the 29th, with WCW management, including Bob Dew, Bill Shaw, and Bill Watts, led to Watts being dismissed from his position of total control over WCW. Uh, that's very important, uh, just to kind of jump in for a second here. Very important. His position of total control. He has been demoted, not fired. Sources say initially the meeting was to inform Watts of his dismissal entirely. Low ratings, low attendance, and low buy rates, along with overall discontent with Watts' style of running WCW, apparently led to the decision to make major changes. Ross's situation, on the other hand, is less clear. Although, according to sources close to the situation, 
Watts was negative toward Ross during his meetings with Dew and Shaw and combined with a bad review for Ross by a consulting firm hired by WCW, the decision was made to go with a new look. Tony Schiavone will replace Ross on Saturday night and Eric Bischoff will host WCW main event. There is no confirmation on whether Ross will return to television as host of worldwide, but the possibility has been discussed. Ross, who also hosted WCW Saturday Night since Ted Turner purchased Jim Crockett in 1987, will be sent on the road to sell worldwide to television stations. Ross had a similar role with the UWF when it expanded nationally and was successful, but that was at a time when wrestling was an easier sell. Dew and Shaw have taken a more hands-on approach with WCW in the last couple of months, and especially in recent weeks. Do is the president of WCW. He has this job for seemingly forever, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Who appointed Shaw as WCW vice president. Do also hired Bill Watts. There are four top management positions below Do and Shaw, which, again, is just way too many people. But anyway, Watts retains his position as vice president in charge of wrestling operations with his power significantly reduced. Eric Bischoff has been promoted to executive producer of television and has gained significant power with Dew and Shaw. Sharon Sadello remains at the executive vice president of marketing. She's doing a terrible job. She should get fired. <laughs> and Rob Garner remains the executive vice president for business. Also should get fired. All four of them will answer to Dew and Shaw. The booking committee has been expanded to 16 people, including Greg Gagne, Bill Dundee, Dusty Rhodes, and the aforementioned Watts, Sidello, Garner, and Bischoff, along with eight others. They don't even name eight more people, and they just gave us eight. And there's, I, so, <laughs> there's still eight unnamed folks here. And just, to, just, just because... You you came in with that, but like Sharon Sadello is uh, the vice president of marketing. Right. What the hell is she doing helping book a, a television show? I, what does that I, have to do with anything? I couldn't tell you. And the, the Garner was I know he's noted in here, um, but I, I had no idea who that was. I had heard, you know, Sharon Sadello's name before. I wasn't aware of this Garner individual. And I know you, you, you just told us again what his role was. It does not line up with booking. A wrestling show in any way. No, and and nothing against marketers, but like this, I am one, by the way. I know, but this <laughs> is this is akin to if you do marketing for a restaurant and the restaurant invites you in to cook a dish for somebody. Absolutely, it's not the same job. No, no, you're right. Absolutely not. No, I, it's it's unbelievable, but it it tells you everything you need to know. One that they have them on this booking committee. Two that there is a booking committee, and it has to be made up of sixteen individuals. It tells you everything you need to know, and that doesn't even include how you were framing all of these other roles, where we have Bob Dew, Bill Shaw, uh, Bill Watts is still involved. Of course, Bischoff is in play here, which we didn't even really get to yet. Um, it's it's insane. Well, that. To, there's not a ton about about Bischoff here, but that is 
hindsight being 2020, sure. the huge sure. news here, right, is he was a C-level announcer a week ago when we did this show. And now the guy is in this position. So initial thoughts on that. Yeah. So my initial thought is, you know, again, we're, we're living in this moment during this show as best we can. Like, did we hear Eric Bischoff's name more than maybe five times in the last six months? Like when we're covering this show, like aside from us seeing him on pay-per-view reviews, like he never gets mentioned. And all of a sudden he is an executive vice president. Yeah. Of this company. Bischoff coming up on our show, ironically, has been more of a happenstance of us talking about things that we liked that he did. Uh, you know, years down the road, absolutely right? right. As opposed to actual reporting. So yeah, you're dead on. Like this guy went from a virtual no name and us saying, "Hey, look at little baby Bischoff opening the pay per view," as opposed yeah. to you know now the guy's in a in a executive type role. He was. He has been no more than a secondary or maybe even tertiary announcer on the pay-per-view so for those that have not been watching them whether you have or not if you recall and i know you obviously know this alex but during the pay-per-views i don't know why they do this but they have their ringside announcers who are the actual commentators for the matches and then between matches between segments they'll have like the mean gene um podium style uh setup um in the arena and he's always there and if he's not there he's in the back which is to me, more tertiary, um, just calling, you know, random segments or, or um, interviewing random, uh, you know, wrestlers before their matches. So, like, that's as much as we've seen of this guy in the last year or so. Yes, and you you asked why they do that, and the answer is because WCW doesn't know how to not spend money on things they shouldn't spend money on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um. Yeah, to answer your question before, I mean, like this is really kind of it's it's out of left field and we know where it goes. But up until now, living in the moment, it's it's a head scratcher. It's very strange. Um, you'd have to think he was doing something behind the scenes um, to maneuver himself into this position. So kudos there. But other than that, you know, it's it hasn't really bubbled to the surface, at least in the uh, in the torch here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? pwtorch.com daily news updates editorials and my live tv coverage covering raw dynamite and smackdown and my live pay-per-view coverage for wwe and aew create a tab or bookmark make it a daily stop visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more that's pwtorch.com weird question and and a little off topic but are you aware of um what Bischoff attempted to do as a career or actually dabbled in as a career prior to wrestling and something. Like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to probably get it wrong, but wasn't it like a board game? Oh, that, but I'm talking about his slightly more funny career. Oh, um, probably. I can't think of it offhand. He was a model. He was a man. Oh yeah. I, I wouldn't have guessed that, but uh, it's not. Yeah. I'm sure I've heard that before. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's how he met his wife. Uh, I was going to say, wasn't his wife involved in that, too? Yeah, she was a model also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
No, he, I, I do remember the story, and I, I think it was called Star Wars, wasn't it? It was like a board game where he uh, bought time on AWA TV or something, and Vern saw him. That does not surprise me. I, I could be butchering the story, but I think that's the gist of it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. He's a very entrepreneurial Yeah, spirit. totally, totally. Like, I cannot picture Eric Bischoff flipping a hamburger or something like that. Oh, like. No, no. Or, or picking up trash or, you know what I mean? Like, sure, he's sure. not one of those people that you could ever picture having, like, a grunt work type of job. No, no. Which is hilarious because he, like, lives on a farm now. But anyway. <laughs> That's right. Um, the other thing, though, we haven't brought up much is talking through the Jim Ross, de- not departure. It's also really a demotion. But his his clear change in in roles here moving from like the face of their tv basically outside of watts because watts is all over this stuff too uh to a tv uh what is he selling the 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 production or selling the um uh, not sponsorships but syndication basically yeah essentially yeah the the airtime if you will right right which i'm actually slightly surprised that WCW is being paid for their television in this era. That's a little <laughs> right. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not even like to make fun of them, but I'm actually slightly surprised that that's the case, but I get, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. The, did you think it was interesting at all that Watts was so quick to throw him under the bus? It seemed like though. And the other part of it is it, I get that he's kind of old and it feels like our entire lifetimes basically, Mm-hmm. We heard that Ross was trying to be replaced for one reason or another in the other company. Yeah. But this is like pre cerebral palsy and, and, you know, his old age or Bell's palsy. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. And, And pre, you know, him getting older and, and brand splits and like all these other things that came up over the years. This is like before all of that. Yeah. Which makes me think like, and I kind of heard this, you know, we hear this through the grapevine. I think he's, he could just be like a prickly person. I think he's even admitted it himself. I mean, maybe not using those specific words, but um, that probably just rubs people the wrong way in many ways. Um, And maybe this is an example of that. Although to your point, I think what part of your question is, is, it it was intriguing to read that Bill Watts basically uh, didn't have much good to say to him when he was getting uh, potentially fired, but of course demoted, as we learned. Um, so he could have been, according to this report, a cause for why Ross is no longer in his position. It, I'm glad you brought up that that first part too, because I I wish there was a little bit more uh, context on how that conversation went from we're going to fire this guy to we're going to demote this guy. Right. I wonder, like, did Watts talk himself into that situation? Because Watts actually seems like the kind of person who, if they went to him and said, we're going to demote you, he would go, well, F this and get up and leave (laughs) and just quit. Like, doesn't he come across as that type of person? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious. I I hope we find out more of, you know, the behind the scenes here, because I'm I'm 100 percent in agreement there. To, to allow to allow himself to be um, uh, like lessened 
to in this role, I think exactly. yeah, you're right. Like he wouldn't allow that usually. Anything else? Oh, there's going to be a little bit more on this, but anything else before we move on to Hogan and the WWF, and then we'll go back to WCW and more details on this. The only thing that comes to mind, just the irony of this, when we first started the show, I don't remember if it was literally episode one or two, but this is the exact same trajectory we had with, um, uh, now I'm blanking on his name, um, the first, yeah, thank you, yeah, 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 thank you, and then three or four months later, uh, Kip Fry, so this, this is the third time we're now going through this. Uh, since we're doing the show and it's been literally one year. So uh, we know where this kind of ends up. But, you know, in the moment, again, um, it's not looking good for for Bill Watts here. And what's funny is, like, everybody cracks on WCW all the time, us included. Yeah. And this is a great example of why things didn't work out. But just to let everybody know, uh, in my opinion, the next, like, Four years is the best WCW ever is. Like not only that, but, a but little a, past where we are right now. Yeah. For like four to four and a half years is the best it ever is. And I, I'm just going to say, too, I think a lot of people sleep on the next. I don't know about this year that we're in, but 94 or five are, are really good. Actually, some of it's a little hokey, but I think a lot of people sleep on those years, too. Oh, for I'm sure. right there with you. I'm actually kind of excited to rewatch some of the stuff in 95. Yeah. There, there's just one part that I don't want to watch because it reminds me of how terrible of an actor Hulk Hogan is. And it's, it's the sentence. Oh, it's not hot. <laughs> yes. Still one of the greatest quotes in wrestling history. Oh. Phenomenal. But, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. There's just a, there's a theme going on here in WCW, and it's now the third time we're, we're, we're going through this. Um, the second of three times where they just can't rip the Band-Aid off for whatever reason. They just make, like, a half-assed decision instead of just going through it. So, um, which is another, we can go down a rabbit hole down there, too, but very strange. Well, I brought up Hogan, and that's actually the next thing we're going to talk about. Hulk Hogan is set to return on the February 15th episode of Monday Night Raw. This is really odd because I never associate Hogan with Raw. Like, so much so that when they did the brand split, when he came back, they drafted him to SmackDown. Like, if I if if we looked this up, I bet you Hogan has been on 20 or less episodes of Raw. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's funny too because this raw that they're referencing, uh, really just to kind of um, underline your point here, is the only raw he shows up in the nineties. Yeah. One one raw yeah. in ninety three, and that's pretty much it. And he not pretty much comes, it is it. Yeah. Yeah, and he literally comes back to raw like nine years later, almost right. to the day. Almost, yeah, almost a decade later. Anyway, it looks like he will come back for at least one night 
to team with Brutus Beefcake as they will apparently battle Money, Inc. at the Monday Night Raw television tapings on February 15th. Jimmy Hart actually turned babyface after IRS of Money, Inc. hit Beefcake in his reconstructed face with a briefcase. Hart will manage Beefcake and Hogan against the WWF Tag Team Champions. The record low pay-per-view buy rate for the Royal Rumble reopened the WWF's interest in Hogan. I, I don't know if I buy that last part. I actually make the assumption that they were going to have him if he would be there kind of thing. I do, too. Yeah. He, he probably, you know, listen, this is me assuming a lot because it doesn't say it in here, but he probably swooped in on the right time. And I'm sure, like you said, they they were glad to have him. They probably would have been glad to have him whenever, but he probably knew when to pick his spots. And this was I think this is one of them. There's actually um, a really interesting line from Wade in here about Hogan. Um, we're going to talk more about it in just a second, but I'm going to see if I could find that line. I think it's in the below the bottom line, but it'll actually be better served here. Well, as you're talking about this, the other thing that um, we're looking for that, rather, the other thing that's interesting, I always kind of dug this beefcake return for some reason. I mean, I know I, I don't like where it led, but, you know, I, I thought it was kind of cool. It, it was kind of a blast from the past. This guy who was, you know, in the golden era of the 80s, coming back a few years later, um, as a kid, I just thought that was kind of a cool thing to see. Um, what were your thoughts on that part of it, at least? Or did, I, I, did you go back and watch that? I absolutely cannot stand the, okay. The only Brutus beefcake that I like is there, there's a couple of them. Um, I like when he's the disciple and he brings Hogan the birthday cake and they beat him up. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Um, yes, go on. <laughs> I, I like the Zodiac because of the ridiculousness of it and the and fact he doesn't that, talk. <laughs> yes. And that's how he should be treated. That's what he is. Yeah. yeah. And um, the only other one that I have is there's a very funny story. And I, I think I think it was Pritchard that told it. If it was not, I apologize because somebody's going to hear this and, and correct me. But there's a story where Hogan wanted to put over the next guy. It's actually in this time frame too. So okay, okay. It, it tracks. And um, you know, the brass, you know, being Vince or Bruce yeah. or whoever, was like, oh, okay, well, you know, like Scott Steiner or Lex Luger or Brett or Yoko or you know, they're naming all these people that are prevalent right now, right? Sure, sure. And and he said, No, brother, Brutus Beefcake. Oh, that's awful. I have not heard that. I'm not shocked one bit, though. Yeah. And it was right, right around now, basically, give or take. Gi give or take. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. sometime in the next few months that happens. Man. Well, we know. Well, we're, we'll see where this goes. But at, as of now, like, I'm OK with it. You're right on. I'm not a beefcake fan whatsoever. But well, let me ask you this, though. Did you not like the like 88, 89 version of him? Because, I, just, I mean, you know, it's it's a hokey era to begin with, so. I, okay, in an era without great workers all over the place, yeah, he, that's stands, the fair out, yeah, he you stands have out to as an especially image. bad worker. <laughs> you didn't take that where I, where I thought you were going. 
<laughs> I'm being serious. I know, but I I thought you were going to say he was acceptable in an era of bad workers. You basically called him one of the worst of the of the bad. Yes. Because because the other part of it is like, OK, we're, we're going to talk about this guy quite a bit in a little bit, too. Right. Mm. But like we both agree the warlord, probably not the best wrestler ever. Right. No. But, but if you're eight. The Warlord looks really, really cool, doesn't he? And that's a really, really cool action figure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's fair. Were, was were you as a little uh, Patrick Morniak <laughs> s- sitting around strutting and cutting? Like, no, it's lame. He's lame. No, I was. You're right. I really wasn't. Although. Mm. I think from a charisma's perspective in the 80s, someone like Vince, like Beefcake was a better fit than a warlord. And because here's an example, how many main events did Beefcake had? I know he is because he's Hogan's buddy, but how many main events did Beefcake had and how many main events did Warlord or uh, Warlord ever have? I Yeah, I get it. I. I just have I have a lot of disdain for I don't disagree that beefcake is generally awful. I just think for that era, he was perfectly acceptable when you get to where we are now. I think it's completely like Hogan, really. It's past its expiration date. It's funny you bring up uh, you said in 88 and 89. Mm -hmm. Is it Mania four or five where he has that horrible match with Honky? Uh, four, because five was I think five is DiBiase. OK, yeah, it was. Got it. And then yeah. six is when he beats perfect. Yeah, no. of course. Of course, he beats perfect at six. Absolutely. But like, they we're going to see they were going to do something with him in 90 and then he gets into that power sailing accident. Yeah, there, there's a way of intervening in things that works out sometimes, but. Well, anyway, I, I just let me just put this to the listeners. If you have an opinion on this, that what we're talking about with beefcake, hey, throw Warlord in there. Uh, email us at torchpasscast at gmail.com. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. So, I did find this, and again, it's it's very pertinent. Um, and it's it's funny in an ironic way. And and as soon as I read it, you'll understand where I'm going with this. But uh, this is from Wade in the below the bottom line uh, final notes section. Hulk Hogan's return is a surprise since it appeared the WF had written him off entirely. Vince McMahon obviously had booked too much of the WrestleMania card to place Hogan in a main singles match. Some have already criticized Hogan's position, saying he is not matched against strong enough opponents and will thus be ineffective. Wade disagrees. Having Hogan in a tag match with Beefcake against Money, Inc. will not overshadow Bret Hart, 
Kurt Henning, and Lex Luger. So while Hogan will bring fans back to their television sets, he will also bring exposure to Brett, Perfect, and Luger without overshadowing them. Because of that, I see the current setup as an ideal situation. Obviously, Hogan against Hart or Hogan against Luger would have drawn more overall interest for a main event. But such a move would have set the WWF back a year in its attempt to establish a new top star. Is that not prophetic in the worst possible way? Mm, it really is. Yeah, none of that happens. Well, I, it, the, the last sentence does. Well, the the last exactly one. what I, happens. No, I guess I'm thinking more the 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 setup there with Hogan using him being a vehicle to put over other guys did not happen whatsoever. But yes, to your point, absolutely. Just the hilarity of that. It is. Because Wade has no idea what's coming. Of course not. No, no, it's not not a rip on him whatsoever. And actually, the point that I was referencing, I actually probably would have thought the same thing. And why wouldn't you? On paper, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, we have a lot of young talent. We're not as big as we were. This guy was the guy who brought eyeballs to wrestling right to this company this is perfect he's back in the fold you know he doesn't have to be the guy quote unquote um let him help us get these other solid workers and and maybe not household names over to a a better degree so from that perspective i think on paper that sounds perfect so that was where i was coming from there i agree i just think I just think it's interesting because if you look at that last sentence where it and and what I'm what I'm harping on is the year mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you can make the argument and I I absolutely cannot wait until we talk about that show but you <laughs> you can make the argument that it really did delay them a year because the coronation does yeah. happen in exactly a year. That's great. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, almost exactly a year later. Yeah, like you could yeah. really make the argument. I know, know that he lost anyway at the first one, but you get the point. Sure, 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 sure. Well, not only. Well, I don't want to keep going down that road because we'll spoil stuff, but I'll, I'll I'll stop there. Actually, while we're on that topic, because we're talking about that show, you mentioned when we did the review two weeks ago. That Rumble 93 was like your most rented VHS tape. Why? You've mentioned you you don't like it. Do you not like it because you saw it so much? Or as a kid, um, did you think it was no, like as the greatest a, oh, thing I, ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as a kid, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it kind of goes back to the other thing I talked about in the review, which just like the the era, it just felt more colorful, alive. Like there was like this um, freshness to it. As a kid, I think that just appealed to me. Like seeing like a guy like Mac Max Moon, for example. I don't know. That was kind of cool. Not saying that's why I kept running it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and again, I didn't care about work rate at all. Oh yeah, um, no. So that wasn't even a consideration. It, it didn't even phase me. I only ask because my two most rented were Rumble '94 mm. and and Main. A ten. That's what made me think of the question. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 
And speaking of, of Rumble 94, I cannot wait to argue about, you know, dying and descending to heaven and <laughs> how, how much I know you hate that. You know, because uh, I'll save some of this for then, but I don't hate it probably as much as you'd think. If it happened now, yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. But it's just because, again, it, it was something from I was 10 at that point. So it was like. Okay, that happened. It wasn't like a thing as much as it would be in my, you know, older age. Even looking back now, it's 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 just like, okay, yeah, that's ridiculous and hokey, but it doesn't offend me, you know? Yeah, I get it. It's 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 interesting. It's just I think I can uh, uh, compartmentalize what like when it happens and the error it happens and just be less offended, if that makes sense. I'm glad you can, because there are so many people that are, like, super offended by that, and I've never understood why. Because even as an adult, and it could be a memory thing, but even as an adult, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think it's, like, bad. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'd have to, I'm going to, I'll have to watch it again in full um, and think of it through that lens and see if it really offends me. But uh, thinking about it now, it do- it just doesn't really. But we have a year to get there. <laughs> Moving on to more WWF news. Uh, Jimmy Hart did turn face, as I mentioned before, on the February 1st Raw, which was live. Hogan will return as part of the storyline on the taped February 15th show. Raw actually will not air on the 8th, it seems like. Because they are preempted by the Westminster Dog Show. Any memories of this? Because this continued oh well to our childhood. I got to tell you, this dog show was the detriment of my childhood. My parents loved watching that dog show. <laughs> and I despised it because it always preempted uh, Raw. So it was a stain on my life back then. And also that and then I think the U.S. Open in like late yes, summer. That's the other one. Yeah, that's the other one. And it was just like the worst week or weeks uh, for me at that time. Like that's that's the issues I was dealing with back then. So not not the worst life, right? First world problems, as they say. It, yeah, exactly. What's funny is um, the only time I remember being like super mad about the dog show thing, like I would get mad in like 99 and stuff. But mm-hmm. I will never forget Thursday Raw Thursday, which I'm pretty confident <laughs> was because of the dog show. I love that you just said that because sometimes on Thursdays, I'll like mentally say that in my head. Thursday <laughs> Raw Thursday. And that was like a one time thing and it still lives with me. Because they mentioned it 417 hey, times. Yep, it was a branding thing. There's your marketing for you. And it was during that crazy. Again, if I'm pretty confident about the time period, but it was that crazy road to Mania 13 where the mm. build to the show was so good, and then the it was amazing. Sucks, but anyway, it was really good. You know, can I ask you a question? We're going to pivot back to something you said. We didn't talk about it yet. Any thoughts on this Jimmy Hart face turn? Uh. I don't know. Uh, he Hogan needs his friend or something. I, I don't know. To Their me, relationship is like like Hogan's two crony or eh, there's a third crony, but his two main cronies 
being yeah. Jimmy Hart and Brutus Beefcake is just the strangest thing to me. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, in a weird way, it's similar to the Sherry thing that's happening this year, where she's it's kind of the beginning of the end for her as far as her you know the the usefulness of her. I see Jimmy Hart in the same vein. Like the second he turns face, it's like when W when ninety three WWF you know clicks into gear, it's like the end of Jimmy Hart, and especially this is like the pivotal moment for me too. It's it's a it's a weird vibe I get at this point. It's um. It's interesting you say that because you could actually make the argument that this is the beginning of the death of the WWF manager. Mm hmm. Definitely. Exactly. So another way of saying it. Absolutely. This year is this is the, the end this year. And yeah, then, you because, know, later on at the end of this year, we know what happens to another, you know, stalwart on uh, the managerial side. Yeah, the only I mean, really, by 94 the only uh, two we have left are, well, three, but two of them are with one guy. You know, we basically have them and then Whippleman, and that's about it. Right, right. And we have a short of stint of uh, Captain Lou. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know. Because it's completely forgettable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Wade does run down some of the highlights of this February 1st Raw. The show opened with Tatanka against Damian Demento. Tatanka pinned Demento in five minutes after a fireman's carry slam. Just to bring this up, I'm pretty confident that Damian Demento is the answer to the trivia question. The first wrestler to lose twice on Raw. Oh, really? Okay. That's a good Uh, one. I'm actually surprised he's still here. I mean, I don't think he's long for this world, but maybe a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I he he already got beat by Taker, so any opportunity they had to do something with him, they squashed it. Nope, right no off the bat. Intended, but I mean, no, that sure. was really the only shot for him. Yeah, agreed. Which hindsight being 2020, I don't I don't know why they didn't at least try that, but you know. Whatever. I mean, you're right. They didn't have much going for them. But you would, I don't know, you would just think that they would have considered it, but eh, I guess not. Uh, then a highlight clip aired from the previous Friday's Madison Square Garden card, highlighted by Bret Hart, carrying the large $100,000 check to the ring and showing it off to the fans and presenting it to an American Red Cross representative. As we mentioned before, Brutus Beefcake then returned. He talked with Vince McMahon in the ring in a long, deliberate seven-minute interview. Beefcake told of his mother and father dying before his parasailing accident, after which his wife left him. I wonder if those two things are related. The parasailing accident and his wife leaving? Yeah, like, do you think yeah, she was I, like, uh, your face doesn't look the same on that? Right, yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Uh, he then said the only person to stand by his side through all, all of this trouble was Hulk Hogan. This he is where I barfed a little bit in my mouth <laughs> when I was reading it. <laughs> like, I was I was 100% behind him reading through the struggles, and then, of course, Hogan's the only only good guy in the equation. Even though I would like to point out if Beefcake and Hogan were in a Royal Rumble together and Beefcake turned his back, Hogan would eliminate him. Just to it, let you know. Absolutely. Yep. 
And if God forbid Beefcake eliminated Hogan, he would just Hogan would just pull him right out. <laughs> and act like it was the worst thing ever. And then the company would make Hogan look better by dubbing the commentary so much. And somehow Hogan would be uh, in the main event of, of WrestleMania. Yes, and win in 30 seconds. <laughs> right. During the interview, due to Beefcake's long pausing, there was some heckling. At one point, after Beefcake told of his misfortune and said, I didn't know what to do next, Van shouted that he should kill himself. Man. So, I'm not... I blame WWF for this. I mean, they're in this hostile New York City crowd, right? I mean, they've been in front of this crowd for how many weeks now? They know what the, how they're going to react. What do they expect here? I I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we talked about this before. But we've mentioned this crowd is the early transition to what would become, you know, the the i hate this term but the smarky sure, new sure. york crowds you know yeah yeah so of course this crowd that loves work rate and are cheering heels like sean and flair because you know they can work of course they're gonna jump all over mr i can't figure out how to do anything but strut and cut brutus beefcake you know what i mean like these people in the crowd are still mad that he perfect at mania six like you know that those people <laughs> yeah. are there yeah and, and the one other thing you left out was not only did did he do all of that but then he you know professed love for hulk hogan oh, exactly you yes, know exactly which i'm interested to see his reception um when we get there in a couple of weeks. yeah same here same here i actually i hadn't thought about that and i actually don't remember offhand how he is received but um it'll be interesting to see you know, ironically, last comment on on the crowd here for me is I bet if he cut a similar promo now, maybe not Beefcake specifically, but if that same promo was cut now in a similar crowd, I think they would be receptive. Uh, I think crowds would, would be more respectable, I, I guess you'd say. They would be, but he would have to pull a Cody Rhodes and start crying or it would not work. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. High Energy beat Von Cruz and Iron Mike Sharp in a short squash. Dwight the Clown then defeated Typhoon, so this would have been, I believe, his Raw debut, with a roll-up and a handful of tights. Howard Finkel then announced the death of Andre the Giant, which we talked about on last week's show. There was a a series of pictures shown chronicling Andre's career, and the bell rang ten times. During a Yokozuna squash, Hacksaw Duggan talked about his upcoming match on WWF Superstars against Yoko. And uh, Duggan said he will not disappoint his fans and he will not disappoint his country. Uh, More on that in a little bit. Was that Yokozuna segment, um, excuse me, the Andre the Giant segment, was that the first time we get a 
like in memoriam type segment. I mean, obviously on Raw, but did they do that ever on like a Superstars? The only thing is that since we started doing the show and this sounds really insensitive, but I don't I don't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody of the caliber of Andre has died up to this. That's point. fair. Yeah. Since we've been doing the show. Probably not. I, I know what you mean. I, I don't think anyone would take offense to that. Um, probably not. And, and, and another sad to do with it than anything. Another sad element to that is, and the, this is just reality: the rate of deaths has not picked up yet. Yeah, that's a good. Point. You know. Yeah. So. It it feels like, and and you can relate to this, I'm sure. But it feels like there was a period of time watching Raw every week where there was a picture of somebody new every week for like two years. That's that's an Sadly, exactly yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It did really feel like that for a little while. And actually, just me asking the initial question is kind of testament to some of this because we're more used to this, sadly, if you're watching long enough, that this is just something that happens. So. DiBiase mocked Beefcake, and he and IRS flipped a coin to see who would face him. See, that's how little of a threat he is. Even the heels will flip a coin. <laughs> To see who's going to wrestle him. The company doesn't even care enough to protect this guy. <laughs> Hart was troubled by the team losing focus as Jimmy Hart on the tag title defenses. A video aired of Mr. Perfect and Vikings tight end Steve Jordan. I have no idea who that is, by the way. I wouldn't have known either. Yeah, I, I knew. I can see his face. I just I'm glad. I mean, obviously, it's noted in the issue, but I, I wouldn't have guessed who that is. It's probably only noted because uh, Wade's a Viking fan, so he's the <laughs> yeah. only person who knew who that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, this is the classic video of, of Mr. Perfect throwing and catching his own pass, which is really funny. Anybody who has not seen that, he throws a bomb, and then the camera fades out to show the ball, and then fades back down, and he's running underneath of it and catches it for a touchdown. It's really funny. And then just the reaction of Steve Jordan, too, like, whoa. <laughs> There is something really great about the 93 um, perfect videos versus like the 80, I guess, 89 versions. I mean, the 89, they're a little bit more serious and he's just, you know, doing uh, a perfect dive off of diving board, bowling, this and that. These are just corny fun, though. Oh, yeah. There's like this one. There's the one with Wade Boggs. That might be it, actually. I I think there's a basketball one, too. This is a much much like the razor uh, vignettes that have stood the test of time. This is just another like look into that mm-hmm. and how they're going to expand on it as we get into Double J and sure, uh, sure. and Gold Dust, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, great era for that kind of stuff. Definitely, yep. Uh, again, Money Inc. attacked Beefcake. Uh, Jimmy Hart turned face. Also, Razor Ramon won a battle royal. And yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say this. This is on the Coliseum video. This battle royal. I don't remember which one. Um, but it was it was a final. I think it's like a sixteen man battle royal. It's not a twenty man. We talked about the Duggan and Yoko match a couple of weeks ago, and I think I think um we jumped the gun on it a little bit. 
But this is that famous Duggan and Yoko match. And it finally aired. Uh, Yoko squashes Duggan and Duggan coughed up blood and stuff like that. And uh, L.A. area television stations actually did not show this because it was too graphic for the 10 a.m. time slot, which is crazy interesting. Um, yeah. Also, this is the same deal where he draped the American flag over him. I'm sure there's people who know exactly what I'm talking about, but it is a somewhat famous. Yeah, it's 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 well done. It's kind of if you, if you don't know what happens, I would you would assume that Duggan's leaving the promotion for good. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? It's it without a doubt. It's a, <clears throat> you know, job on your way out of the company. Kind, mm-hmm. kind of deal. Absolutely. Uh, the latest WrestleMania lineup. Uh, this is basically the same as last week with one minor change. Uh, Tatanka against Michaels, which we've discussed. Hart and Yoko, which we already know. Uh, the Steiners, instead of facing Money, Inc., are facing the Head Shrinkers because Hogan and Beefcake have replaced the Steiners against Money, Inc. Uh, also, Undertaker against the Giant Gonzalez, Crush against Doink, and Luger against Perfect. Before we move on, um, as far as Hogan goes, if you find out at this point that he's coming back, would you – you can't change the Hart Yoko thing and mm-hmm. Tatanka Michaels probably stays the same. But would you have kept Steiner's Money, Inc. and tried to insert uh, insert Hogan maybe against Luger or somebody else? Probably. Yeah, probably. Although I would feel bad. I mean, Razor for, you know, just to be put in that position would be awesome, but I, he wouldn't win sadly. So I don't know if I would do that. Um, and actually, I guess Luger too. Although back then, honestly, WWF didn't care about clean finishes as much. So I, maybe, maybe that's all a moot point. Um, to your original question. Yeah, probably. I think the money match, though, is probably the one they give us with Beefcake and Hogan for the tag titles because it is, you know, it's 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 still worth something. Um, And it's DiBiase. I mean, at least DiBiase had that like that um, that level of call it stardom with Hogan a few years prior. So I'm not I'm still not opposed to the idea where they're going. Um, the only other one that comes to mind, though, is the one you said is Luger. Um, maybe like this is a stretch because it wouldn't happen, but like maybe Giant Gonzalez. But that again, him and Taker, that's pretty much a lock. So I, 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 outside of Luger, I guess that's it. The only other person that comes to mind who's now gone is Flair. But that wasn't going to happen anyway. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it. Again, unfortunately, we have to go with the premise, like you said, that Hogan's going to win, which you're right. Um, the only logical answer, if he's going to win, would be Gonzalez. But you've done too much legwork on the ticket yeah. thing. Yeah. If, There's one if, more name that comes to my mind, but yeah, finish your thought. I was just going to say, if he's going to lose, though, I would have pivoted to Luger immediately. And sure. I would have had Luger crush him. That would be awesome. That would be that would be great. I'm sure Vince would have had to pay uh, Hogan a lot of money to do that, but hey, probably worth it. Um, the only other person that comes to mind is Savage. I actually and, considered that also. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think they're too. And and this sounds crazy because we see this match like 50 more times. It feels like, but 
it feels like they're past the expiration date on that at this point without some rebranding, which we do get. But, you know, you do actually just answer the question I was going to ask you. Do you think they had more juice in that? Because I do. I do think that they would have. Um, I see your point for sure. Um, but they really only went to that well on a pay-per-view big time level, really just the ones right now, I guess the tag, um, they did a few tags for, uh, yeah, the summer SummerSlam. Slam. Yeah. 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 But the one on one, I think there's maybe some juice there. There is, but not in WWF 1993. Yeah, that's fair. Cause I wouldn't turn, I don't think I would be turning anyone. Obviously wouldn't be Hogan turning heel at the moment, but I don't think savage either. Yeah, there's just so. obviously there's juice in it because we get that, and we're sure. going to talk about that yeah. as it as it comes up in the in the coming years. But those aren't as bad as people lead you to believe they are, and some of it actually makes sense, as shocking as that is. <laughs> but like Havoc '96 is a solid match, I think. But you know, whatever. <laughs> I think the drawback with that one is the fake hair. Isn't that where he's wearing like the three ninjas like fake wig or something? Yes, that's the yeah. time frame. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, awful movie. That's <laughs> so bad. I actually um, have not seen that one, but yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that you brought up Savage because there's another note in here about that Ramon battle row we talked about. Mm-hmm. And Savage actually charges the ring at Ramon after uh, Razor taunted him. Again, why? Why is that not on this card? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I actually forgot about that, and I, I guess I missed that note in the, this issue. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here or why they're not doing that, other than to say I assume it's because Vince doesn't want Savage wrestling anymore. But why not get some equity out of it? Exactly. It, like Of all the shows, you have to put him on there. He's got to be at WrestleMania. That, and you're accomplishing things because, like— I don't know. I think obviously Razor wins a squash on this show, but if you do the same match with a little bit more give and take yeah. with Savage, it does a lot more for Razor. But you know, whatever. It does, and I think it's safe to say Savage would have been okay putting him over. I tend I to agree with that. I don't think that's going to be an issue, especially if he's going to move into a commentating role. Uh, there's sure. Just, I don't know. That's always bothered me. Like I know that your thing is is savage and brett and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah i i get that but like just looking at how all of this was already set up they easily could have done that without any like work really at all yours actually makes a little bit more sense in the reality of the situation because i think it was clear that vince moved on if you're looking at it from a booking perspective it's pretty clear Vince moved on from Savage in the main event. So if you're going to use his name value elsewhere, it is someone like Razor that makes the most sense. Uh, Brett recently called Flair overrated at a press conference. Uh, that's going to come up a bunch more times over the next few years. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. 
Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Former WF announcer Joe McHugh died on January 31st at 88 years old. Wade also questioned whether Jimmy Hart turning face opens the door for a heel Paul E. Dangerously to manage in the WWF. That was so great because, and this is one of the tidbits that is, there's many reasons why this is a fun show to do together, but I never put those pieces in order uh, as they really happened. This is literally on the heels of Paul E. getting fired from WCW. And then, of course, really at this point, the last major heel manager in the WBF has just turned face. So Wade is, is right on here in the assumption that this could happen. Well, there's one small issue with it, and this is probably why Paulie didn't come in. But who would they have put Paulie with? Because knowing the WWF, he would have been the manager for Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, or, that's a great question. Who would you put him with? Or a guy like, uh, we don't know who this is yet, but a guy who wears goggles and oh god, uh, yeah, that might, might be. be from Three Mile sure. Island. It, well, if they put him with him, the guy would have gotten over much better. Yeah, maybe, but it's just, like, that's kind of the problem. Is like, I really like Paul E., but there's no... Like the the perfect person for him was a Rick Rude, right. was it's, it's stunning Steve Austin. Yes, and there's nobody like that that works here. It's got to be a legitimate quote unquote guy, right? Yes, like maybe. Okay, so here's an idea. He's a little bit too showy here in this in this current gimmick. But what about Lex Luger? If if it wasn't for the Heenan Association, I'd be with you, but that yeah. creates a little bit of a problem. Unless you have Heenan do what he ends up doing later this year, which we won't talk about, but he like introduces Paulie as like his kind of like the new face and kind of gives him his blessing in a way. Like they could maybe do that and then have Luger. And here's another name, Ramon. That's the one I had in mind. But I feel like I have one other name. Finish, finish what you're going to say. What's really, really funny about you bringing up the Ramon thing yeah. is that in order for that to work, Heyman would have needed to be like a godfather type <laughs> yeah. character, sure, which sure, is hilarious sure. because here we are 30 <laughs> years later. And that's exactly what Heyman. That's fair. Like, yeah. You know, the wise man. So, so he would have had to do that like 30 years earlier in order for it to work with Ramon because I, I really think that's like kind of the only way but I like I that's like the call. Luger idea the only beef I have with that and this goes into the Ramon thing too is that I feel like a Paul E protege or something in this time period has to be a guy that can work like it's funny because he owned the company but like the franchise Shane Douglas would have been the perfect person for Paulie to manage. The game Triple H would have been perfect for Paulie. Like, it, in my opinion, it has to 
be a guy who can actually, you know, wrestle. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a weird one, and and we'll get roasted for this, but you know, Chris Benoit would have been a good person for Paulie to manage. Oh yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Yeah. All right, I have one other name. It doesn't fit exactly who you're talking about, but you know that style. But it's very close. Bam Bam. We haven't talked about him this week. That's not that, bad. That's a different like um, level of like legit guy, right? I mean, he's he's just a no pun intended. He's like a beast. He's yeah, a monster. Not, so that's not bad. And Bam Bam, you know, could talk to some degree, but he's not going to hold a you know a strong promo. So I think. Having someone like uh, Paulie would have made sense. Yeah, I I'm OK with that. We can open it up to the listeners if you have a thought here. It's it's an intri- intriguing idea to think, you know, where where Paulie would land in the uh, the world of WBF in early February 1993. You give us a shout out at torchpasscast at gmail.com. Anything else on WBF before we get into WCW? I don't think so. All right, so the beginning of WCW is really um, just some more elaboration on what we talked about earlier, you know, before we get into Super Brawl and stuff like that. But and a really funny note about one of our favorites here on the show. But the first one, each TV show will have its own producer and booker. I probably should have included this earlier when we were ripping on like way <laughs> over complicating things. Yeah, but. Co- Anyway, uh, here, yeah, yeah. here you go. Um, Saturday night will be booked by Dusty Rhodes and produced by Eric Bischoff. Main event will be booked by Michael P.S. Hayes. Uh, really interesting to see his name there as he has risen to prominence over the last 30 years. Um, you know, Doc Hendricks, notwithstanding. Sure, sure. But. You know, dude, dude, dude himself is literally like responsible for the Royal Rumble now and and stuff like that. Like he is just it's just odd to see his name in this vein for really the first time in this time period because of what has happened. Yeah. And he's still in his early 30s at this point, right? Yeah. He's super young. Yeah. Um, But anyway, he is the booker of main event with Bischoff as the producer and then for Worldwide, we have Greg Gagne as the booker, and the producer will be Tony Schiavone. At least, if no, I mean, I'm going to give him a little bit of a bone here. Like, the fact that Bischoff is the producer for their two primary shows, which is Saturday Night and a main event, like, that's good. That's smart, in theory. I can understand, to some degree, not wanting to burn out a booker just doing what does it end up being like f- at least five hours give or take five six hours of tv just right there without considering pay-per-view or the clash so if you have some um consistency on the production side then that, i mean I'm, I'm just kind of stretching it a little bit i'm assuming this is what they were thinking um, and then worldwide is like their third level show. So maybe it's not as important to have fish off there too. Um, other than that, I'm with you. I think this is just kind of ridiculous. And then of course you couple in the fact that there's 16 freaking people on the uh, booking committee that uh, has, has obviously has a say in this stuff, right? It's not just the, the four or five names you mentioned right there. 
and and that right there is is part of the problem and so wade also says here is that uh some insiders are saying that having too many different bookers and producers will cause continuity issues. But apparently one reason Watts was under the gun is because all shows look the same. So to your point with, with Bischoff as the producer, I think the producer thing has a little bit less. um, I think there's a little bit less of a problem there. The, the thing with the bookers is that's okay. If let's say, for example, that Michael Hayes just puts together the card for this or um, Dusty just puts together the card for this other show. This this does work because in the WWF, in, in the boom period, in the, the Attitude Era, you had Russo and Ed Ferrara booking the television week to week, but Jim Ross booked the house shows. Cor- yes, correct. Right. But to... But to prove my point about why that can work and what WCBU is not doing is you need an over like an overall vision mm-hmm. and thought of where things are going. So then the matchmaking underneath of it, you know, you just pull something and, and do this here and there. And it all kind of makes more sense. The problem in this scenario is that it does not appear that we have that due to what you just brought up the 16 different bookers or, you know, committee or whatever. So there's no overall vision. So that worked in, you know, circa 1998 WWF because everybody knows that Austin's the top guy. And then you have taker and, and Foley and rock and shamrock or whatever, right? There's a little bit of a tier, you know, who's working with who this isn't going to change for a while, but we're going to go here with, Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog or something, right? So mm-hmm. you can do all that kind of stuff. In this scenario, I don't think there is that. No, I think they've set it up to be anything but that, really. There's no way around it. I mean, it, this has to be said, but just the fact that they haven't learned a lesson to say, okay, the Bill Watts thing isn't the only reason we're in a hole right now. Um to give him some slack, at least it's like you have 15 other people in the room, so to speak, that are making decisions like that. That was a thing, too, with Bill Watts in in charge. It wasn't like that just happened all of a sudden with him to being demoted. They had multiple people on their booking committee. That's always been a thing, at least since we were you know, covering the show in the last year or so. And I don't understand why, like. Maybe this is because we know what we know, or I don't know, maybe we're smarter than I give us credit for. But if you asked me, what would you do in this situation in 1993 mm-hmm. to solve what WCW is going through, right? I would come up and I would write down on a piece of paper. These are the three tag teams that we're going to focus on. These are the six male superstars that we're going to focus on. And this is going to be our champion. This is going to be our United States champion. And we're going to run everything through these people Mm -hmm. book around that. And I would walk away. And it sounds so simple. And I, I realize I'm oversimplifying something that's not that simple, but quite frankly, in this scenario, some type of structure that, you know, exists 
would make a huge difference. And to me, just even if it's an oversimplification, simplifying things to that standard would make a huge difference. Oh, uh, absolutely. And you said you're oversimplifying. They're overcomplicating. They're going the opposite route um, unnecessarily. But like I said, they've been doing this for this long, and this is one thing they couldn't get right, which it's just kind of dumbfounding. The one thing that you would want to be doing in this situation, you know, one, I understand them not wanting to copy WWF to some degree, although you want to, in the sense of, you know, to, to, to get the success that Vince has had. The one thing that they never seemed to copy was that one vision and that's what you're getting at right like that's the one thing they didn't seem to get right up until this point at least um why they couldn't figure that part out i don't know the vision could be different than vince it doesn't have to be the same but just having that one way to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish was what they couldn't get right no and that's and and it that's the point is it's like like I said, you pick three tag teams. You yeah. know, you go with Steamboat yeah. and Douglas, the the blondes, obviously, and then pick a third one. Uh, maybe you make one or something. And then, as far as you know, six superstars. To me, Vader's already champion, so that problem's been solved. You you make Vader a monster, and you build, you know, two or three baby faces, and and just give him baby faces to run through. While in the background, you build up Sting and Dustin Rhodes, and down the line, you make a decision who's going to beat him and and win the title, right? Like, there's three of your guys right there. And then your other three, you know, you can look at Rick Rude if you want. You can look at, you know, Cactus. Maybe, Maybe you really like Paul Orndorff. Whatever. I don't care. The, the point is, is it's it should not be that difficult to come up with with a balloon philosophy of, mm-hmm. of how this thing is going to look over the next six months. No. And the funny thing, I'm just listening to you rattle off all of these names. There's not an issue with the people, the wrestlers, that is like that's not an issue. We're not talking about trying to build this guy or that guy. It's just like, how are you using them? They have all the pieces. That's the problem, which is even worse. You can make an argument WWF at this point has less pieces than WCW, and we've actually been pretty much saying that for the last year. Although WWF is doing a pretty good job building some foundational elements in the last, you know, say, six months or so to pivot away from like Hogan, ironically, which, you know, who's who's back now um, and Flair, obviously, he's moved on. But, yeah, that's not WCW's problem. It's just how they're using all of those elements together, which they cannot get right. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. 
and you see what I'm talking about in WWF. Uh-huh, right now. Absolutely. There, there's a heavy focus on Doink. There's one. There's a heavy focus on Luger. There's two. There's Yoko. There's Brett. There's three and four. And then I'm sure there's a fifth and sixth that I'm just not thinking. Well, they're, they're about. yeah, but, like you know, Bam Bam. They're using Bam Bam strongly on the on the house show or you know Superstars TV tapings. That's another name, Razor. I would I would add in there. He was the main event in the pay per view of the uh, not the Rumble main event, but the World Title main event um, on that Rumble pay per view. Yeah, and perfect. Yeah. Yep. Another one. Absolutely. Like. Without even really thinking about it, we just came up with seven guys that we're seeing them do that with. And WCW's not. No. Yeah, I mean, first, when you said not, the first guy that just popped in my head was Rick Rude. He's more or less disappeared from their program. Austin and Pillman are barely used. Um, another man, another name. Well, Simmons, I guess, was improperly used, so that's one. Another name just floated out of my head that I had. But, yeah, there's just um, – they have the pieces. They just have no idea what to do with them. And when you have 16 people in a room, one, your marketing manager or whatever she her role yeah, is, yeah. like, what are you going to do with that? I want to know who she wants to push. <laughs> Let's get it on the show. Uh, no. Now, that would be an interview. That would be an interesting interview. That would be more fun for you than me. No, I wouldn't want to talk about that. I would want to talk about WCW. But wasn't wasn't she around for a long time? Uh, I believe so. Yes. That name is not un like uncommon to hear. No, I've heard that from Bischoff before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want some old WCW swag. I'm sure she has some. Oh, I wouldn't mind that. Right. I wonder if she does. That's a good question. Yeah. You know what I came across this week? Um, WCW 7-Eleven Slurpee Cups. For what year? 91, because they were promoting the Bash, Great American Oh, that's Bash. really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I, it, I mean, I didn't – I don't have them. I just saw them online. Are they, like, wrestlers or – They're wrestlers, but, like, they're cartoony. Like, they're not, oh, like, pictures, cool. which I like better, actually. Um, there's a flair. So this is flair before he moves to WWF flair, sting Steiners, El Hicante, which I'm sure I'll gift you one day. And, um, I think Luger. Do you think when you fill up the El Hicante one with soda, the bottom falls out? (laughs) I mean, if it doesn't, what are we doing here? Well done, sir. Actually, while we're on the topic, um, so somebody got asked this on something I was listening to. I wish I could remember what it was. But it, is there anything like weird, eh, maybe not weird, but like something that you would probably never be able to get as far as like wrestling memorabilia that you would want? Hmm. I, I'm definitely going to have to give that some thought. One thing that I would love to get but this is probably gettable because I think he even sells it on his website. It like signed Bret Hart glasses. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. You know, I had I have I remember I bought I have them somewhere ninety the the ninety four like in ninety four I bought a pair of the glasses so I have them. But like, 
having them come from him would have been cool. That's obviously very rare. Um, hmm. I would love like a banner, like a rumble banner that they, you know, hung in the rafters. Oh yeah. Or that another pay per view of that era, like something like that. Or like a part of the ring skirt or something. Right. To a banner. Yeah, something. Cool. Yep. Yep. That would be cool. Although that's not really merchandise. It's just in, like, you know. Um, yeah. Those are some things that come right to mind. What about you? The the one I always think about, and I actually I know who's in possession of it, so I will never get it. But like St- or, uh, Kane's original mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, like Mankind's original mask, which I actually don't think anybody has. I think that he threw it away. But um, stuff like that, I think, would be cool. Or even like the Undertaker Phantom of the Opera mask would be cool. Um, Yeah. Obviously, again, totally unable to get. But Austin's uh, actual smoking skull that he had. The belt, you mean, or... Yeah, 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 okay. Oh, absolutely. Another thing that comes to mind is um like I don't like I don't care about ring gear, but like boots are kind of cool in a way. Yeah, I could see that. Like, like certain certain guys boots, I don't know. Depends on who it was, like Yeah. If it was somebody like, I guess I would take like a pair of Triple H boots or something. Yeah, yeah. But like, like something that was like completely indiscernible, like Austin's boots would be kind of stupid. It would be tough. It would be tough. Yeah. But like someone's, I know, and I know actually I'm thinking of um, like Conrad's, Conrad's background. He has a pair of dusty boots. Like it's very specifically dusty, you know, the cowboy yeah. style with, it, it says dusty on the side. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, again, to our listeners, if anybody knows what happened to the television championship that Hacksaw Jim Duggan found in the garbage, that's something else that I would not mind knowing what that costs. Uh, you know, torchpasscastgmail.com. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the good one, too, with the little squiggles. I know. I'm just curious what somebody paid for that thing. I don't know. It would be better if he sold it with the trash can he found it in. <laughs> like <sighs> on to on to Super Brawl. Um, so everybody originally assumed, us included, I think we reported on this last week, the week before, that Shane Douglas and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat would defend their tag team titles against Austin and Pillman, who are now known as the Hollywood Blondes. Unfortunately, that will not be the case because instead Austin and Pillman will be taking on the team of Eric Watts and Buff Bagwell before he was the stuff. That's terrible. I mean, at least if this goes down, I assume they're going to win because I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it in a long time, so I haven't watched it in advance of our review. Um, At least it gives them a win on pay-per-view. But other than that, I mean, I'm stretching here. 
I love how they're facing Watts and Bagwell, and you make the assumption the Blondes are going to win. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, I'm assuming they are. I hope that's the case, other than, ugh, oh, my God. I I mean, 16 people in a room, and that's what they come up with? Well, I mean, I hate to break this to you, but wouldn't it be so uh, WCW to have Eric Watts pin Steve Austin? (laughs) Totally, especially after his um, Booker uh, father was demoted. Yes, like, oh, my God. Anyway, also on this is Sting against Vader. Um, there was another mini movie made. Uh, I have not seen this one, I don't think, unless, you know, when I do see it, it, I remember that I have. But this was another mini movie in the same vein as the Jake the Snake Roberts and Sting video that we made fun of relentlessly back in October. Uh, this costs $150,000 and is called The White Castle of Fear. I'm sorry. I just read your note and it is very funny. Yeah. I mean, why? Like, I don't think this was a tie into the burger chain. Like, why would they call it White Castle? You know, (laughs) like, why did they do that? Like, maybe just call it the Castle of Fear. I don't know. It's stupid to begin with, but. And all this well cutting, they were spending 150,000 on this. Yeah, no kidding. And, and there's no way this is selling pay-per-views, by the way. No, not at all. I'm pretty sure there's at least one more movie to come this year, by the way. Yeah, there's at least one. Yeah. It, and it's funny because we talked earlier about um, the Mr. Perfect videos. How much more effective was that thing? And you know that didn't cost sure. $150,000. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that thing looks like it cost 20 bucks and, you know, they had to buy the guy a sandwich and a WWF shirt. To be in it. <laughs> right, exactly. And they get a rub from an actual NFL star at the time. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, st- star is a loose. Sure, term. but still like an actual, you know, NFL starter. I assume he's a starter, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say. That- <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, we, we get Wade Boggs later, so there you go. Yeah, that's more a lot better. Yeah. Also on this card, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith against someone who is not currently in WCW. Wonder who that's gonna be. I'll just tell you right now, it's a big letdown. Big letdown. But like when it's phrased that way, it's like, wow, this is great. Can't wait. Uh you can wait. I'll just tell you that. Also on this card, Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff, the Heavenly Bodies against the Rock and Roll Express, Barry Windham against the Great Muda, Dustin Rhodes against Ron Simmons, which doesn't make any sense, and the show stealer, I'm sure, Too Cold Scorpio against Chris Benoit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. And um, it's just ironic that I don't think I said this before, but it's kind of ironic. This card looks pretty darn good. And Bill Watts is not even in his uh, usual position. I mean, he's still there. By the time the show rolls around, though, things have, could change. But as of today, um, I think there's been a lot of momentum built for good and bad. Um, and he should get at least some credit for this card. Oh, I agree. And on right? paper, it looks great. On paper, it's great, yeah. 
Sid is being discussed to be part of the booking committee in order to placate him and entice him to come into the company. Do you think he really needed to be placated with a booking slot? Uh, No, it's Sid. So all he needs is money and the opportunity to play softball when that opportunity arises. Yeah, which is every spring. We know that. (laughs) I don't know. No, I mean, it would be so great if this is truly WCW thinking that's what they needed versus like Sid actually saying, hey, I would love to be on the booking committee. Well, what's funny is there's a note in here, too, that mentions that nobody's actually going to listen to him. Yeah, yes, there is. Yeah. And for some reason, it just popped in my head of Sid playing uh, softball with children and just screaming at them and being very, very into the game while all the children are like, what's wrong with this guy? That should have been a a vignette in late 90s WCW. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. If Sid was added to the booking committee, that would be, what, 17 guys or, you know, people on the booking committee. They're one shy of actually fielding a full uh, softball game. What's well, what's really funny is you're not far off on that because there's a rumored 18th person. Oh, really? Uh, Do you want to take a guess? Rumored 18th person. Um, Who is it? If you think about it. Uh, I don't know. Jim Ross, but he was demoted, right? Uh, he's still on the committee, but the oh, 18th he? would be Ric Flair. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Beach Blast will replace the Great American Bash this year, and Wrestle War will be eliminated. I wonder if they'll move War Games to something else. That's facetious. Uh, I don't know if all this actually happens. Uh, Johnny B. Bad may be headed to the WWF when his contract ends next month. Currently, he's making $156,000, but it drops to $70,000, but can be worth up to $180,000. But he basically, if you read like the fine print on this deal, he basically has to work like six days a week or something ridiculous like that and hit all of his incentives to even get close to what he made previous so i hate to spoil this for everybody he's about three years away from making the jump to wbf but it's fun to think about in this time period need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts well come join me alan forel over in the progress paradise at peter torch vip as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, um... 
to your point there, I, I wonder what Vince would have done with him from a character perspective. Like, would the wild man have survived and, and been three years earlier? Or something net new? I still think he only got hired because he brought Sable with him to his interview. Uh, maybe. I still maintain that. And I, I, I actually like Mark Merrow, but I still maintain that that was, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even sure where they married at this point. 93. No, they're not. They're not, they're, right? They're not. Um, and that's kind of where my point lies is I yeah. don't know what would have happened because I, I think that was such an impetus for everything that followed. Um, yeah. Yeah. DDP's contract also expired and he was not offered any guarantees. He could be headed to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Could you imagine the marriage between Jim Cornette and Diamond Dallas Page? I kind of want to see it. Uh, I don't know. I kind of want to see that. You're a glutton for punishment. That's something <laughs> that that is like the most positive person in the world with the most negative person in the world. <laughs> true, like very true. maybe they would balance each other out in some weird way, but maybe. that's an odd dynamic. They might be so opposite they would get along. In yeah, in some maybe weird, maybe yeah, I don't know. Anything else on WCW? No, I don't think so. USWA news real quick. Kurt Henning and Jerry Lawler drew 2,000 plus fans at $11,800. They both used the illegal pile driver in their match. The ref only saw Lawler use it and was going to award Henning the title, but another ref came out and said Henning did it first. Also, Doink the Clown and Lex Luger will be loaned from the WWF to the USWA. Speaking of Jerry Jarrett, so why do you think one that whole Lawler Henning finish just makes me numb because that's just old school wrestling and if it worked back then fine but uh, just doing that now would be killer. Um, why do you think Doink and Luger are the guys they load? Because uh, they're getting used like they're getting pushed and used properly in WWF. Like why bother if you're Vince? Well, I think like, they're credible. Um, in the case of Luger, it could be a ring rust thing. Doink, I don't have an answer. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, ring rust is a great answer, actually. Doink, um, I got nothing. I, yeah. I can't even talk myself into it. Sorry. That audience I, might like that type of gimmick because they've seen crazy things down there. So. Yeah, didn't Lawler wrestle like Frankenstein at one point? Yeah, Christmas Creature, I think, one, two or something, yeah. Strange stuff. Has Christmas Creature happened yet? Because that's Glenn Jacobs. Maybe it? not, actually. Yeah, maybe not yet. All right. So we are to the Torch Talk with the British Bulldog Part 3. Wade starts by asking about Randy Macho Man Savage. Bulldog is complimentary and mentions that Savage was always helpful to him. And he always gave him advice. Sorry, had to find that there. Wade also asked if the Bulldog dealt with the Ultimate Warrior much, which was really interesting because Bulldog actually mentioned that he roomed with the Ultimate Warrior and showed him the ropes. Um, I wonder if he taught him how to run the ropes. But anyway, <laughs> Bulldog showed him where to stay, where to eat, where to train. And he said he actually talked to him the other day. 
that's a, a little bit of an odd hotel room pairing, don't you think? The ultimate oh, player in the British Bulldog. Definitely, yeah. I can understand maybe them getting along with, like, weightlifting, but other than that, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, Warriors sitting there talking about space and all this kind of crap. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also thought it was interesting that Savage and Bulldog got along well, too. They roomed together for a little bit as well. Yeah, it's so weird. People must have liked Bulldog. I mean... Otherwise, I mean, this. I mean, I think Warrior and Savage kind of got along to some degree too. So, but that it's, makes it's like, a little bit more sense if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Bulldog also had a lot of positive things to say about Pat Patterson. Mentioned he always believed him, but not Vince. Um, they also talked about Ric Flair. Bulldog is like overwhelmingly, uh, overwhelmingly, excuse me, positive about. Pretty much everybody he talks about, with the exception of Vince. He mentioned that he was the closest with the Warlord. Told you we would talk about him again. And he would trust the Warlord with his with his life. He said, Warlord is the nicest and most straightforward person. Just don't get him mad. But it does take a lot to get him pissed off, even though he is a little overbearing when that does happen. Bulldog did say... Him and Vince got along, even though he didn't appreciate how Vince always changed his promises to him. Bulldog also mentioned his departure from the company a little bit. I'm just going to go through this. Bulldog said he was asked to carry the flag for Lennox Lewis for that fight. They asked me. I didn't ask them. Then all of a sudden they told me I had to work that day and couldn't do it. They canceled, but still didn't book me for a match. So I was pretty pissed about that. I had this TV show I was supposed to do in England, and they sent somebody else in my place. Then they had me do this rap record along with Randy and Brett. They said they were going to send me to do PR work in England, and at the last minute, they pulled me out and sent Randy instead. And he said it was like they were trying to keep him out of England. Maybe I was getting too strong there or too powerful. Then they told me I was dropping the belt, so I decided I'd better get out before they started jobbing me out on TV. I wasn't doing anything on TV. I wouldn't do any jobs. So I was out of there. See ya. I was just unhappy. I saw my interview sheet where I was working with Tatanka, Doink, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bob Backlund. I asked Vince, what is this? Just because I had a good match with Brett doesn't mean I'll have a good match with these guys. Don't get me wrong. They're good wrestlers, but it was going to be job, job, job. I knew I wasn't going over Bam Bam. They had big plans for Doink. Howdy Doody, that's Bob Backlund for those wondering, and Tatanka also. I talked to Vince. He knew I was unhappy. I asked him that if I was unhappy and wanted my release, if he would give me a release. Vince called him back and said, if you still feel the same way and want to go to Japan, England, and all that, if the grass is green on the other side, go ahead. Any thoughts on that before I move on? How come Bob Backlund got slammed there? Of all the Howdy people he calls him Howdy Doody, I mean, um, unless it's a, a, a term of endearment. It's possible that's a nickname and we don't yeah. know the context. Maybe. Um, I, maybe not, but <clears throat> I don't know. It could be also because, you know, Bulldog thinks he's an old guy or something. I don't know. It could be, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, if that's all true, especially, you know, just – being told you're going to do something, get some kind of cred outside of the business, which is, you know, going back to him carrying the flag for Lennox Lewis, who was a big time name at 
left at the time as you know the boxing scene um and then just pulling the rug out from him for really no reason um that's that's a little messed up um maybe more than a little but it is weird like his whole point is why would they be keeping him outside of england if he's so over to begin with what's the point there what's the um thought process you know from the business side just to play devil's advocate yeah uh some of the things on the business side could be the reported shape he was in from brett that's fair that's fair and it's possible that that is um an underlying factor in all this kind of stuff yeah i mean that's probably the answer no that's probably the answer he's not going to come out and say that part and with the with the four names mentioned, yeah. Doink and Bam Bam makes sense. Uh, Tatanka and Backlund are both faces. I know that's a good point too. Why? Well, I mean, even on house shows, you don't do face versus face that often at all. So a little odd, huh? Very odd. The, the Doink, uh, the doink yeah. thing makes perfect sense, and so does Bam Bam. Honestly, but oh, sure, sure, sure. That would have been a good feud, Bam Bam and um, Bulldog. Yeah, I kind of like that. Like would have been SummerSlam '93 ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the only other comment I have there is the WrestleMania rap album. He uh, album he mentioned is actually the WrestleMania. Um, I think I think it's just called the WrestleMania album, maybe. Where I always thought it was funny because it does come out in '93, and the Bulldog is like in at least one song. Um, and I'm like, I always wondered why, because he was well gone from there. So he's not wrong there. That's that's a fact. That's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Have you heard that, by the way? No, I have. no. I, I mean, maybe. But uh, off the top of my head, I have no idea what they're talking about. Please go do that. <laughs> okay, Please go do. YouTube that. Yes. Uh, moving on. They they talk again about how poor his payoffs have been. Bulldog won't give uh, real figures for himself or anyone else, which is really funny because um, it shows kind of the crowd that Bulldog ran in as opposed to something that's going to happen in the next year, year and a half, where there's another group of guys where, ironically, Bulldog actually gave them their name, but um, who talk about their pay a lot so this does change quite a bit in the next i don't know year and a half or so but it's interesting that bulldog falls on this side of the ledger which again if you if you look at some of the circumstances down the line makes a lot of sense but anyway bulldog did say that his pay got worse it got so bad it was brutal he said he just got his last merchandise check and he laughed because it was a quarter of the one he got before that. And this time I had my dolls, new T-shirts, lunchboxes, shoes, bags, pajamas, and everything in England. Let's be fair. I made four times the money last time that I got this time. I should have gotten twice as much this time as last time because of my dolls. Speaking I just of, love that he calls them dolls, by the way. Oh, yeah, speaking of which... Do you have a Bulldog Hasbro from this time period? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a great one. Really good. Uh, That probably came out in 90. 
I want to say 91, maybe 92. I used to love those commercials on the Coliseum videos. Oh, they're so good. Just to throw that out there. Yeah. With so Macho good. Man playing with the figures because, you know, that's really oh, Yeah. And then later on, it's, uh, well, the earlier ones are Piper. Oh, that's right. Savage. That's right. And then the later ones are, I think, Henning. Are they? I don't remember those. Yeah, there is there is a version of that. Do you have any interest in getting the the newer retro uh, Mattels? Because there's another crop coming out um, with like Hart Foundation, Jimmy Hart, and um, uh, what's his name, Volkoff, I think. I I saw him, but I don't have interest. The no. NWO pack went up for sale uh, either yesterday or the day before, or something. Oh, okay. Or tomorrow. It's it's sometime this week. Yeah. And it's just. It's not in the style of what I collect, so it's like, I don't know. I, I consider getting into those superstars things, which are all over my Walmart because nobody wants them evidently. But even that, it's like a whole separate line, and the uh, it's just yeah, yeah. You get in, you you get into collecting things, and you end up in these rabbit holes of like, I don't know. Like, I just got a new green Ken Shamrock, and now it's like, why did I buy the red one? And it's like, well, because you didn't know there was going to be a green one. And now it's like, <laughs> why do I have the red one? I never would have bought the red one had I known that there was going to be a green You know what I mean? It's so stupid, but you, you get into stuff like that. Is the green one the more, like, the chase, or is the red one the chase? Or is The red one I got, like, three years ago. Oh, okay. Because it was the only option, but they just released another one that was the green and the blue. Yeah. Which, like, if you ask me to think about it, that's what I, I picture him in, not the red. Yeah, I like the green a lot. His, yeah. I'm just thinking of him actually wrestling in green. It's a lot better. So it's like one of those hindsight being 2020 things. Like, I sure. wouldn't have bought that had I known. But Right, right, of course. Of course. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Wade did ask if Bulldog would consider returning to the WWF, and he said, why would anyone want to go from WCW to the WWF? These guys had contracts with WCW. I know for a fact Flair wasn't making the kind of money he made with WCW in the WWF. I know the Steiners aren't making the money they made in WCW. The same with Luger. Why would anyone want to go over there? Uh, Wade really kind of fights back on this and mentions that it could be, you know, the fame or notoriety or being used better and things like that. Bulldog says, basically, forget all that and just get as much money as you can. 
this is hilarious because obviously he goes back and forth again. Oh yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, like there's no other option really, but yeah, it's true. It's made me think, why are you saying these things when, you know, of course Japan exists and you could go there, but, and he actually talks about that soon too, but why would you put yourself in that potential predicament? Yeah, exactly. And by bashing them. Yeah. Yeah. He did mention he will go to all Japan in March, but he doesn't know how often he will be there. If uh, WCW doesn't allow him to, uh, he also mentioned in here, which was kind of funny because we've talked about this in the past, but mentions how bad the WBF was for wrestlers because Vince Vince dished out huge money for those guys who never drew a dime, whereas all the wrestlers took all the bumps and didn't make any money um, and were making like a third of what they did. It's kind of interesting. He there was, mentioned there was somebody real quick on that. There was somebody earlier this year. Oh, I guess ninety two. Uh, in one of these torch talks, I think that brought this up too. I can't remember who it was. If you if you remember offhand, was it Hawk maybe? And that wasn't that long ago, but I feel like it might have been further back. Yeah, I feel like you're right about that. Like it, it maybe even could have been um, like Terry Taylor or somebody. Perhaps, yeah. Somebody was definitely making a comment about the WBF. Um, WBF. Um, contracts and of course them not drawing anything and yet making 500 plus thousand or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. There was one guy at 500,000 guaranteed and another guy at 300,000 guaranteed. Crazy. And Bulldog claims that he's making less now when Vince is obviously making more than when he was working with dynamite in the, like, the mid to late eighties. Again, we've, we touched on that last week i think or the week before i don't i don't want to get into that again but there's context missing with him saying that as far yeah, as yeah. where he, where he was on the card and, and sure stuff. sure yeah that's fair uh wade actually asked about bulldog's family which is a little interesting because of his son harry who is 7 at this time uh bulldog said that harry knows everything about wrestling already and he would not discourage him from getting into the business and talks about how big he is for being seven years old. Really interesting where we are now and how things have worked out for Harry or not worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had some notoriety, yeah, notoriety in um, New Japan and some other Japanese promotions. But in the States, it's been it's been rougher. I know he had early uh, like an earlier in WWE. And then I think wasn't he going to come back lately? And I don't know what happened there, but he's he's not there anymore. Yeah, and it, it's just there's a lot of things with him that yeah. don't add up over time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bulldog does talk about the advice he'd give to people trying to get into the business. Tells them to get the training in a contract so they don't just pay someone to beat them up and not train them. Uh, Wade brought up the Lightning Kid, and Bulldog said he likes a lot of his style. And he mentions how the Bulldog mentions how he was also small when he started, but he focused on the things he could do well and didn't try to do power moves all the time. Uh, he gave an example 
of when wrestling a big power guy kind of darting through their legs and then hitting a big drop kick or something like that. So working to his strengths, he said he also wouldn't recommend steroids to anyone because it's a choice for each person to make. And he said he decided to bulk up when he went to Japan and definitely even more so when he was in the WWF as his goal was to be as big as the big wrestlers, but be better than them because he had moved faster and do better moves. Uh, he mentioned that when he did the better moves, people mentioned it was because he was smaller. And so his thought process was to say, I'm 270 and you're 270 and I can do this and you can't. Yeah, it's a smart way to think about it. You know, how are you going to make yourself different and yet be just as big, which it mattered then, you know, how big you were. Absolutely, it did. The, the problem that he doesn't consider, and he's a good example of this yeah is that as he got bigger he lost a lot of that stuff though yes absolutely yeah he didn't do it he he does talk a little bit about in i think part was it one or two of this interview where he um he part of him thought he couldn't do it in the sense that he wasn't almost allowed to do it as well so there might have been an element of that uh yeah i, I mean i get that but I don't know. What's funny is you see spurts of his ability to do it, but it really takes him being motivated by somebody else. uh, Sure. Notably Sean or Brett. Yeah. Because like there's, I'm going to spoil this for everybody, but in about two and a half years, he's going to have an absolute abomination of a match against diesel because neither one of them (laughs) can be bothered to try anything. All right, anything else on the Bulldog before we go to Wade's Below the Bottom Line? No, I think that's it for his Torch Talk, too. I think that was the wrap-up. Yeah, I assume it was based on, you know, Wade kind of talking about the family, and I think Wade ran out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So in the Below the Bottom Line, Wade starts off by talking about supporters and detractors of Bill Watts. The detractors say he promoted his son too much and didn't increase business. Uh, Both of those things are true. Supporters say he severely cut expenses and was starting to gain momentum. Uh, again, I, I think there's more negatives to Watts in, the, in hindsight than there are positives, but I don't know. Maybe you disagree with that. I don't think I do. No. I think just the way he treated people and all the reports on that was enough for me to sour on him pretty quickly. And, yeah, of course, I, I, like the TV wasn't that great anyway. The the problem and to your point, the problem is is there's not enough positive to overlook the negative. Exactly. Yeah, like if the t- like if the product's great and maybe just good, not even maybe great level, but solid, then you could you could be like, okay, I, I mean, I don't work there. I'm a fan. I'm watching this. It's it's great. But like if you couple subpar tv and subpar you know characters on your tv plus knowing that they're just being treated like crap um it's you know it's a double whammy for sure wade said that a lot of second guessing will happen once the smoke clears especially if wcw goes further downhill watts took questionable tactics in both uh, both ethics and at times legality Wade says he had to deal with the new reality of guaranteed contracts and cutting a budget under that approach was likely difficult. 
he agrees that Eric Watts was overpushed and Bill Watts seemed to double down on pushing him when he got pushed back, which is definitely true and really funny and a great glimpse into the type of personality that Bill Watts has, which kind of goes back to our discussion at the beginning of the show. Saturday night saw improvements under Watts, but he never had to deal with seven hours of television and he was stretched thin Uh, in the UWF. He always had like two hours of TV. Uh, So seven was much more than what he was used to. I do agree with this for sure. That makes a lot of sense for the era. It's funny, though, that this era of television, um, like meaning 92, 93, didn't rush through storylines as much as we do now. Oh, no kidding. In general. I mean, not not calling out any one company, just in general. The other the other part of it that's interesting to to note is, let's be honest, they have seven hours of television, but isn't like three to four of it complete throwaway stuff? It, yes, that's a great point. Another is a squash matches, right? Yeah. So it's that's hard to I get I get where the argument comes from but at the same time it's it's kind of a an empty excuse an empty excuse plus um how many pay-per-views you're really building toward it's certainly not in one month yeah exactly like there's a there's a way to get around it i think is is what we're getting at but yeah yeah uh wade suggested that the new format of a booker and producer per show could help wcw but he thinks one person with a clear vision for each show is the ideal. Uh, we talked about that uh, a lot earlier. He says w- Watts could be seen as tires getting slashed before he got started. If things don't improve um, again, maybe, maybe you give him more time, but, but I mean, how much more do you, do you just give it another three months and go the full year while more people leave or, you know, He's got Flair and Bulldog coming in, but I don't think we've seen enough to make us think that he's going to be able to do anything with them. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. You know, one thing, yeah, that's fair. One thing that we haven't thought about, or at least I haven't, one of the things he was supposed to be doing is cutting budget, right? So, like, he's doing that, to be fair. He has been doing that. Now, you can talk about the ethics behind it and how he's treating people. Like, that's fine. But why is it, you know, I'm just trying to look at, like, Bob Dew and Bill Shaw a little bit here. Like, why are they not... Um, why is that not part of the conversation here? Like he's doing that part just fine. 
does that make any sense what I'm getting at as far as like he's doing what he's told and yet now he's demoted for it in a way? Well, yes and no. I mean, that goes to what we can talk about for years with WCW and something mm-hmm. Bitsoff has talked about where they they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But at the same time, he he's only doing half of what he was asked to do. Because if you're asked to cut the budget, but also increase ratings, if you're only doing one of the two things, that's not doing your full job. Right. Right. That's doing half a job. So maybe he's somebody who should work in finance as opposed to being a wrestling booker. And maybe that's it. Like he's focusing on one and not both or one and maybe the other one that's more important (laughs) because you can cut budget all day. But if you're not making the money on the other end, then you're really not cutting anything. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's just funny that like he's. He's doing what he's told in many ways. Yes, you're right. He's not doing maybe the more important piece as far as like driving more revenue. But he's certainly cutting the budget. For sure. And to use the the restaurant analogy again, because it, it does it does work here. So as we talked about, I was in management for a long time. And one mm-hmm. of the things that you have to look at is your labor budget, right? So that's kind of the same thing here because he was looking at his labor budget. So in a restaurant, if you cut your labor and you hit your percentage that you're set to have for your labor, that's great. You did your job there. However, if you cut your labor budget too much to where you only have one cook cooking and one server serving and you have 10 customers come in and nine of them get crappy service and their food takes forever because you have no employees, mm-hmm. they're not coming back. Sure, sure. The the point with my analogy is if you're not increasing the sales, which is the other part of your job, you're not doing your full job. Because at the end of the day, if you increase your sales, you can have more people working and you're less worried about that budget because the percentages even themselves out. The reason that exactly the the reason that that analogy works here is that if Watts is driving up houses and driving up ratings, all of a sudden when you're pulling in, we'll use arbitrary numbers here. When you're pulling in a million dollars at a house show, nobody cares that you're paying the wrestlers thirty thousand dollars, right? Because the percentage is now lower because the sales are higher. There's there's a saying in the restaurant business. It's that sales hide everything. Well, the same thing holds true to wrestling. And you see that now in 2023 wrestling has more millionaires than they've ever had. Absolutely. And the reason is because in the WWE, you have them putting hundreds of millions of dollars to the bottom line every year. So nobody cares if the Miz makes a million dollars a year because the percentage is so low. It's actually um, ridiculously low, when you, especially when you compare it to. I mean, it's not a sport as uh, you know MLB is a sport in that sense, but you know, trying to equate the two, you can't at all. I mean, the percentage that the athletes make in the WWE 
and wrestling in general, it pales in comparison to legit sports. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, but your analogy makes a lot of sense. And uh, that just makes me think, what the hell was this guy doing this whole time? He was focused on the wrong endeavor, basically. And yes. And at the end of the day, that's my long winded way of getting to the point where there's when you have two jobs to do, you need to work on the one that's going to solve the other one. That's yeah. That's the, yeah. Yeah. For for anybody that's, you know, fallen asleep with my analogy, that's what I'm getting at mm-hmm. is that it turns out one job actually fixes the second job for you. No, no, I'm with you there. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, moving on. Adding uh, Ric Flair and Eddie Gilbert to the mix may be enough to give their booking team what they need. Other names on the booking team are Michael Hayes. He is said to be a future leader. Again, uh, that has been proven out. Ganya is untested. Bischoff has to prove that he is not just Sizzle, because at this point, especially with his model background that we talked about earlier, see, full circle, that's all people think he has to offer. Wade says he was one of Watts' biggest critics, but says he should have been given through May at least to see what he could have done with Flair and Bulldog. I touched on that a little bit before, but, you know, anything to add to that? I think the Flair thing resonated with me more than the Bulldog thing. Just, you know, having Flair there, that didn't mean to rhyme. Um I think that's I think I think I would give Watts a little bit more runway at this stage after we just bashed him with the idea of lacking foresight and or you know direction on increasing revenue. Um I think coupled flair with kind of the super brawl build and you know the card, um that might give me enough to just give him a little bit. But again, I don't know. What's what's a little bit, you know? I'm just thinking from like Bill Shaw and Bob Dew level, like how much more do you give him? I'd probably give him a little bit longer. The the problem with that theory, though, and it goes back to something you said earlier, is at what point is it waiting to rip off a Band-Aid you're going to yeah, rip off? Anyway yeah, then? yeah, yeah. Well, that was more so the like, hey, let's just demote him versus just getting rid of him type thing. But I see what you're getting at. Yeah, it apl- to me, it applies in both situations because yeah. it's like, is it better? And and going back to, you know, we've been talking about sports a lot on the show, but, you know, it, it goes back to the old adage of would you rather hang on to a guy one year too long or get rid of him one year too early? Sure, sure. Uh, final remarks from Wade. He said that Ross being pulled off TV entirely was a mistake, but is otherwise fine with him scaling back to give shows a fresh look and sound. Uh, we won't talk about the Hogan thing because we talked about that earlier. Uh, he said he is happy to see the USWA and WF relationship back in motion, but WF wrestlers should appear on USWA for longer than one weekend. Any thoughts there? Yeah, that's I think that's fair. I mean, I don't I didn't realize um, until reading this that they were only there for like a a weekend. But um, I don't know how long you expect these guys to work these matches. No, I don't either. And, you know, know, the travel has to be different. And there's a lot of variables to that. 
I mean, and it goes back to like who's Vince sending down there. Like if it's a Vincent, or excuse me, if it's a Luger and a Doink, you're not going to want them more than a weekend stint. Um, if it's like a cook will be where just have at it, <laughs> you know, have them for whatever you want. That's funny. That's a good example too. <laughs> the TV title tournament in WCW does not include the top 16 wrestlers and suggests that Benoit will go over as the winner. Super interesting choice. Um, I'll tell you, I don't know who ends up the winner of this tournament, but I would, be in favor of that. I don't remember either. I thought that we heard that um, recently, but like spoiler spoiler by accident, but I don't recall who it was. Um, Benoit's an interesting choice here. It's interesting. I think the most interesting here is the piece here is the fact that his name keeps popping up because in retrospect, I know he knew, he popped up in WCW before his like official run in the company or his more long tenured run. But I didn't remember him being this prevalent, maybe, around this time. Prevalent's probably not the right word, but, like, I just didn't think he um, stuck around longer than he has. Yeah, that right there was what I was in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we do know, I mean, he ends up back in uh, ECW, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. All right, Patrick, unless you have anything else, I'm going to get into a preview for next week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So next week, issue number 214, headline news story. Bill Watts resigns. TBS <laughs> reads Watts' controversial torch talk and asks him to resign the next morning. I knew that we, we both knew this was coming. It's just, I mean, it's funny. It's so funny that this happens. Um, you and I have not even alluded to this part, like why he's resigning that you just read the subtitle for. Um, so we'll get into that next week, but it's just amazing that they couldn't just like we talked about, just make this decision soon. They had this linger over at least two weeks. Yeah. And it's funny that that is what causes it. So I'm interested to see how that gets explained here and so on and so forth. Also in the issue, uh, the torches, extensive coverage of WCW shakeups. Mark Madden explains how Hank Aaron got involved in Watts' departure from WCW. Bruce Mitchell's analysis of Jim Ross being removed from TBS shows. A journalist roundtable analysis of Ole Anderson, Bill Watts' trade-off. A little hint, it's not good. Below the bottom line looks at how Super Brawl has been affected by the changes. So a lot more WCW next week, uh, WWF-wise. The only things I see in here are about a couple of lawsuits, one of them being the WWF suing over the Rivera show that we covered about a year ago at this point. It's been a while, yeah. And also the Ultimate Warrior to sue Vince McMahon. So without further ado, Patrick, how can everybody find you on the torch and otherwise? Uh, they can find me every Friday evening. I cover AEW Rampage, and I'm also your um, co-host here every week on uh, 90s Passcast. And I am your co-host on the 90s Passcast, as well as the SmackDown Alt Perspective Reporter every Friday night on PW Torch. And I think our show will be out 
after this, especially if we get bumped again with a pay-per-view this weekend. <laughs> but uh, I will also be on the SmackDown post-show with Wade Keller this weekend as we march toward Sami Zayn's demise at the hands of our travel <laughs> chief this Saturday night. As always, folks, email us, torchpasscast@gmail.com. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Help us help you, and we'll talk to you all next week. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app, and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. is not too late to make a New Year's resolution, even if it's no longer the time when people are saying Happy New Year, especially if you're looking to get fit and have nutrient-dense food that's going to give you energy without a bunch of sugar, salt, fat, and processed stuff that just doesn't serve your body well. And one way to do that is with home delivery of Factor chef-prepared meals. Fuel up fast with ready-to-eat nutritious meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list and you don't have to cook before you settle in to watch wrestling during the week. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor. It is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year yet. You've heard me talk about these before, I suspect, and I order Factor meals on my own, whether they sponsor the show or not. I'm a believer in these meals. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook, even though I like to cook. But I know when I'm eating good food, and it's so nice knowing those Factor meals are in the refrigerator, fresh, never frozen, with whole food, healthy ingredients, ready to be microwaved in just over two minutes, and I'm eating. I don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery and pay a tip. And frankly, so often that delivered food is full of fat, it's deep fried. You're not going to get that with Factor meals. No matter your lifestyle, Factor has delicious flavor-packed meals to help you live life to the fullest. There's keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus options on the menu each week. 
They are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. You don't have to calorie count or try to figure out how much protein or carbs you're getting. They balance it for you. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. I always look forward to hitting refresh on the Factor website and seeing the new date pop up for the meal plan a couple weeks out and selecting the meals that I want. You don't have to select meals. They will automatically send you their selection based on your prior selections, but you can customize it too. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes in the microwave, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's a new website and a new code this month. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50 and use code wade50 to get, this is clever, 50% off your first box. That's code wade50 to get 50% off at factormeals.com slash wade50. Treat your body right, give yourself more energy, and save time and money with Factor Meals and get 50% off with coupon code WADE50.